Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Be cautious of who you listen to. Don't just like, you know, hear one message and and like, oh, that's all sounded great and everything. No, examine them. You know, if they got a website, go to their website. And if they're bold enough to put their statement of beliefs on there, because not a lot of churches do that anymore for some of the bigger name guys, figure out like, what do you believe? And does it align with the word of God? Because if it doesn't, don't waste your time. I don't care how charismatic they are. Would you decide to have a surgery based on the advice of a stranger, a non-medically trained stranger? Of course not. Then why would you trust your spiritual health and growth in Christianity to someone that you don't know? As Pastor James shares today, you should know and trust the person who's leading you. There's one person who was sent to help you in your discernment in many areas, including that one, the Holy Spirit. He's always ready and available to guide you in all of your decisions. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 12 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Verse 37, it says, since David himself called the Messiah, my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? And he makes that beautiful statement. He, he exegetes on this, this passage of scripture. I mean, he brings out the, this is what it's talking about. This is, this is the meaning behind this. He says, how would, you know, since David called him, called the Messiah, my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? He's like, yeah. He came, and what he's saying to to the listeners, to the audience is, he's man, yeah, that's the son aspect, but he's also Lord, which means he's he's God. And so in that, right there, that is a a roundabout way of Jesus saying, it's me, I'm God, I'm God in flesh. I'm part of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. He's like, I'm here right now. I'm here right now. If David were alive, he would be addressing Jesus as Lord, as Messiah. And he just, he just explains that, that portion of scripture. He answers his own question, so to speak, because nobody else wants to give him an answer. And what I love about this is the, the audience, right? The, the common people. It says right there, the large crowd listening to him, or the large crowd listened to him with great delight, right? They're like, this dude's awesome. Like, there's nobody who talks like him. There's nobody who teaches the word like Jesus. And this was a common thing. Every synagogue, every, every town he went to and he taught within the synagogues, it was the same thing, right? The results sometimes ended with them trying to kill him. But when he taught, everybody was like, who is this guy? He teaches unlike anyone else because all their teachers and instructors would get up and they're like, okay, let me read today's verse. I'm going to read that. And then, okay, now let me just tell you a bunch of stories. Or let me, let's move away from the word and let's get into the extra biblical stuff, the, you know, the add-ons that rabbis had added on to it throughout the years. And they would always camp out there. Jesus showed up and he's like, let me tell you what the word says. Let me tell you what the word means. 
with authority. And people were impressed by that because, well, they were being starved by their leaders. These are sheep who were not being fed by the shepherds. And Jesus, as the great shepherd, says, I'm going to feed the sheep. And he'd do it in a simple way, in a beautiful way, but he did it with authority. And the people loved that. They loved that. He didn't add any nonsense. Not that he would tell stories, but they were, they were parables used to, well, they would kind of conceal a truth, right? But then they would also reveal a truth to a certain extent. Like, so there were stories. So don't get me wrong. Any pastors who tell stories, they're not bad guys. Well, some of them might be. Um, I don't know. Discernment. Check them out, right? Like, just check them out. But it's not bad. But Jesus was able to, like, no, this, the centrality of it all is the word itself. I, I don't care about what this commentator says. Although it may be true, that's not the word of God. This is the word of God. That story may be true and all that, but that's not the word of God. Let's stick with the word of God. That was his style, okay? And when he needed to use parables, he would use parables. And then sometimes when he just needed to drop a theological bomb on somebody, like in here, he just did it. He's like, let me ask you a question. Who's the Messiah? You guys say he comes from David, and that's true. However, however, what they didn't believe about the Messiah was that he was also God. And so he needed to expose that, that little, you know, well, it's just, it's not a true doctrine. They believe that the Messiah would just be a man and only a man. And Jesus is on the scenes like, no, no, no. Yeah, he's a man, but he's also God because David addressed him as Lord. And you wouldn't do that unless he was God. So he just drops that on them. The crowd's like, the crowd goes wild. No, they probably didn't go wild, but they were just like, wow, this is Passover week too. There's like tons of people around. They're so impressed by him. I, I often wonder when I see verses like that, I wonder how many, how many of these cr- within the crowd were there a few days later shouting out, crucify him, crucify him though. You know what I'm saying? Because not saying that these guys were, but there was, a, there was a large crowd yelling out, crucify him as well. Okay, so you never know. But in this moment, they liked what he taught. And then here's Jesus' warning concerning these religious leaders to that crowd. Okay, Jesus also taught, verse 38, beware of these teachers of religious law. For they like to parade around in flowing robes. I'll never wear those, by the way. Um, not because of this verse, well, kind of because of this verse, but I will never wear a robe. Um, just, it's not going to happen. Uh, but anyways, that's a side note. Uh, they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in marketplaces, right? They love to be the, they love these like honorable greetings when, you know, they're, they're like, they're the man. And then they walk in, they're people of importance and they want to be recognized as people of importance. So they're wearing the robes. And they got little things hanging off of the robes and all that good stuff. What? To draw attention to themselves. Look at me. Look at me. Notice me. Right? And then when they walk into a public setting, they're like, you need to address me in a proper way. Okay? With the title. And the titles aren't bad. Okay? So hear me out. The titles aren't bad. Because other gospel accounts add on there like they like to be addressed by father. Okay, don't call me father. That's uh, I got four kids. They call me dad, all right? So they're the only ones who get to do that. 
But I understand that the father, I understand that reference. But they love that title. They also love rabbi, teacher. You call me that. Call me, give me, call me by my title. They, they love that. And they, they didn't just love that. They expected that from everyone. They, they like to make sure that everybody knew that they were important. And that's a problem. If you're in leadership and you got to like make people understand that you're important, then you're not a leader. You're not a leader. You're an abuser. It's a manipulation tactic. And that's dangerous. Okay? You shouldn't have to, you and I, we, we don't need to communicate how important we are. Okay? What we communicate is, well, I'm a sinner. Well, look at my shirt. I'm saved by grace. Like, I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's who I am. That's who I am. I'm a person of not much importance, to be honest with you. I'm just a person. Just a person. I have a title. It's a pastor. You can call me Pastor James if you want. You can just call me James if you want. You can call me Grizzle. That's what I grew up with. Everybody always called me Grizzle. That's my last name. You can call me Grizz if we're close. Um, when I play basketball, that's what I was known by. Like nobody, We didn't know we had first names in athletics. We only ever went by last names, okay? And these guys, though, they were like, I have this title. You better address me by this title because if you don't, then I'm insulted. And there might be re- uh, repercussions. Jesus says, beware of these guys. Okay, they have the degrees, they have all that stuff, not that degrees are bad or anything like that, but when, when you got to always point it out, that's a problem. It's a problem. I'm glad you got your degree. You don't always have to point it out, though. Okay? Don't. It says, verse 39, they love the, how, and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets. We, we see this referenced in, in the book of James as well. What, what this would look like if, if we were a church that functioned like this, there would be chairs behind me and the leaders would be sitting behind me looking at you so that your attention is on these guys. I, we have a pulpit so I can hide halfway behind because <laughs> I don't want you to look at me. It's not me. It's the Lord. When we're up here, anybody's up here, Jordan's in worship, if I'm teaching or somebody fills in, our, our prayer is always, may we decrease so that the Lord increases. We will never give prominence to man. Never. Never. There's only one person who deserves all of our attention, all of our affection. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Now, there are churches, and they may have the chairs and the deacons and the leaders and all that. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not going to get on to those guys at all. That's fine. Whatever. Okay, that's between them and the Lord, not my business, not my business. But in, it, in this day, that's exactly what the Pharisees would do, is they, wouldn't, they were not okay with sitting where you're at. They wanted to be noticed, and it's their heart that's the problem, okay? They wanted the head of the banquet. They wanted the seat of prominence. That's what they wanted. And if they didn't get those things, then they would feel disrespected, and it's just... You don't go there, okay? But the last little part here concerning these guys, it says, yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious or godly or holy by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. And this is in their presence that Jesus is saying this to the crowd. 
as those guys are all standing around. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, see these guys? You better watch out for these guys. And they're like, what? And they're like, see how they're dressed? Yeah, you know why, right? Because they want your attention. And all those super long prayers that they pray, that's not about between them and God. That's about them getting your attention. And like, oh, they're so holy. Wow, man, the the words that they use, I I have to break out like a a dictionary to follow along with these guys. Jesus like, beware of that. Beware of that. There was an illustration in one of the other gospels where you had two individuals praying. You had the the righteous guy, self-righteous. We'll call him that because that's what he was. You know, it was like making this loud, boastful prayer, right? Not to God. He's not, they're never praying to God, okay? They're never praying to God, just so you know that. They're making this loud proclamation and all this good stuff, and then there's a sinner next to him whose head is bowed because he understands who he is in the presence of an almighty God. He's like, Lord, forgive me, right? Like, I'm a sinner. And the other guy's like, I'm glad I'm not that guy, right? Like, God, aren't you happy that you got me and not this loser, right? That was their mentality. And I love this. When Jesus steps up for, he, he stands up for all these other ones who have been abused by these guys. And he's like, see these guys? Be aware of these guys. Be aware of them. And he just was calling them out. I love it. You don't see much about this kind of Jesus represented in churches today, do you? No, we like you know, you know, pacifist Jesus, right? We like that guy. Like, oh, he never causes trouble. Really? (laughs) He just flat out insulted these guys right to their faces. Not that you should do that, by the way. Like, don't go find religious people and just totally just start insulting them. Don't do that. But because he loves his people, he's he's going to warn his people, be aware of these guys. Same thing for us. I know that there's there's more resources out there today for you to get teachings, right? I'm not the only guy. Praise God for that. I'm not the only one you have to listen to, okay? You have options. Podcasting, YouTube, radio, and all that good stuff. I would say this. Be cautious of who you listen to. Don't just like, you know, hear one message and, and like, oh, that's all sounded great and everything. No, examine them. You know, if they got a website, go to their website. And if they're bold enough to put their statement of beliefs on there, because not a lot of churches do that anymore for some of the bigger name guys, figure out, like, what do you believe? And does it align with the word of God? Because if it doesn't, don't waste your time. I don't care how charismatic they are. Don't care, right? Don't, don't drink from that well. Do not drink from that broken cistern. Don't drink from that well. Find good, faithful teachers who you know who they're about, you know what they're about, you know that they preach the word of God, whether it be topical or verse by verse, doesn't matter, but they faithfully teach the word of God. Follow those guys, okay? So you got to be cautious, got to be aware. Just like these guys needed to be aware of these religious leaders, we need to be aware as well. Now, here's the contrast. This is where we'll wrap it up, Okay. So you got the religious guys who are dressed, they're, they're dressed to the nines, you know, they're, they have money, they're wealthy, they don't get paid, so to speak, but they're given kind of donations and contributions and all that good stuff. And they had ways of getting money, these religious leaders. But to contrast those guys, Jesus 
he just opens this window into this, the most beautiful story in almost all of the Gospels. Okay? It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. Okay? So this is in the, the court of the women. Okay? So Jesus goes from Solomon's porch, Solomon's portico, where most guys would hang out, and then he takes a little, just a little journey over here to the, the court of the women. And he sets down right there, right where the, uh, the, the collection boxes kind of are, okay? So for us, like, we have two on the wall back there. Jesus would have been hanging out right in between those two boxes, okay? That's where he would have positioned himself today if this story was lived out, right? He sat down near the collection box of the temple, and there were 13 of these collection, they were called, like, trumpets, right? And so uh, there were 13 of them total. And they were set up in such a way, when you threw your money in there, they would make a noise. They'd make a noise, okay? So Jesus just sets himself right there. And he's going to watch not how much people give, but how they give. How they give. He's not all that concerned with how much you give, okay? He is concerned with how you give. And please know, he does expect us to give, right? We don't pass the plate here, only for new visitors. Any new visitors? Well, it's, no, just kidding. Um, you're like, I'm never coming back to this church. No, come back, then you won't be a new visitor. Um, you'll be off the hook. Um, that's the way we got to do that. That's a good strategy. Um, all right, never mind. Somebody write that down. No, uh, I'm going to copyright that. Um, no, he expects us to give. Why? Because it's an act of worship. Because we need to give. We need to. Our souls need us to give. It's healthy. It is good for you, okay? Now, how much should you give and all that? That's between you and the Lord. That's none of my business. And that, just so you know, I know absolutely, I don't know how much you give or even if you give at this church. I don't know that, okay? All I know is when Dwayne comes to me, he's like, oh, it's tight, right? Um, or he's like, hey, we got excess. You know, that's, Dwayne lets me know that much. But it's not my business how much you give. What I do care about is how you give. So if you're giving begrudgingly, I'm going to ask you to stop giving, okay? Actually, I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray. Because if it's like, oh, here we go again, got it. You need to stop and pray and say, you know what, Lord? Obviously, my heart's not in this, okay? That's what I would say. As a pastor, I would say, pray. Just pray. Pray before you proceed, okay? Because your heart should be one of a cheerful giver. It should be a cheerful thing, okay? So here he is seated at the, you know, the collection boxes. It said many rich people put in large amounts, Right? So they are unloading that change jar that you have at your house, right? They're just like dumping this thing in there and it's making all sorts of noise. They want you to know how much they're giving. And they see Jesus there and they're like, hey, Rabbi, what's up? You know, and they're just, they're making, they're probably making a show of it. And Jesus is just watching them. Says, then a poor widow who is one of the most vulnerable within the society. She's poor. Please know that. That is, that is of the utmost importance. She is, she's not just a widow. She's poor. And these collection boxes, all that money goes to the poor. Okay, this isn't for the temple and all that. This was like donations to help out with the poor. And here is a poor widow not going to receive, but going to give. Going to give. 
a poor widow came and dropped two small coins. These are worthless pieces of metal. They are worth two of those, one sixty-fourth a denarius, a day's wage. This is all she had. There's another slide compared to our penny. Yeah, that's size-wise. It's thinner than a penny, it's smaller than a penny, and it's not even worth a cent. It's not even worth a cent. That's what she had to give. That's what she did with a cheerful heart. This poor widow, everybody's dumping buckets in. And she's like, I got these two coins. This is all I have. And as a widow, this is all I have. But this is, all, this is what he's worth. He's worth all I have. He's worth all I have. And, and this is, what, man, just the most beautiful, I get goosebumps, man. Um, the most beautiful story, she's one of those ladies like, let's get to heaven because I want to I I meet this lady. Man, just this, she's unknown. We don't know anything about her except she's poor and she's a widow. And that's what she gave. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. She gave more than they did. For, the tiny, for they gave a tiny part from their surplus, made no dent in them. You know, they, it cost them nothing to give what they gave. They would never feel that. They still didn't, they didn't give so much as to where they're like, well, now we got to trust God for a provision. They're like, no, we're good. We can give this. We can give lots of money, but we're still good. We can take care of our own needs. This poor lady gave all she had, and it put her right back into a place of, okay, God, now I'm trusting you. Okay, now I'm trusting you. She had more faith in these people. She was a cheerful giver. If you're going to give, and your heavenly father who sees these things, man, he's got your back. He's, he knows how to take care of you. This like, there's no like, she wasn't like super stressed and, and all, she didn't, there's no rec- record of her walking away thinking like, oh great, now I don't know how, where, where, you know, money's going to come from for this and for that. There's none of that. And I think it's left silent so that we are left to assume safely that she came in with a cheerful heart and she left with a cheerful heart knowing he's got me, he's got me. Everybody else considers what I gave worthless. Why'd you even give it? Why'd you even, it's nothing. Why'd you even give it? She's like, that's all I had. I will give him everything I have. He says, they gave her their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. To live on. That's, man, that's beautiful. That is like, that's faith. You know what that is? That's loving God with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Those, that commandment that Jesus told these guys were the greatest commandment, it just got personified. And she loved her neighbor because she gave to the boxes where it was going to the poor. What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your soul, all your Thoughts, strength, I don't know. I, can be, I mess them up all the time. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. I even wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. And to love your neighbor as yourself, that was personified in this widow. That's how we live. That's how we serve. That's how we represent Jesus where we're at today. Hope, the hopeless, hopeless, red for 
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' life while he was here on the earth. Mark offers unique perspectives on this time, emphasizing Jesus' servanthood to the people that he met. Jesus loved practically, often, and with everyone. What a kind and humble servant we get to serve. If you need to hear this message again or you'd like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore the variety of verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter Bible teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. And if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit us. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Thursday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m., and you're welcome to come join us for both. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. You can get directions there as well. We're excited to meet you and spend some time worshiping with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Mark and to gear up for what's ahead in this New Testament book. There's so much to learn, so much to know about Jesus. So make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.